Today we begin our series in the Lord's Prayer. And when I say series, yes, I mean series. It is a prayer that we say every week at our church, uh, but it's so easy just to go through the motions, not really to think about what it is that you are saying. The reality is that there is a lot of depth to the Lord's Prayer, probably even more than what we are going to be getting to within this series. And in this message, we'll be talking about the first few words in the Lord's Prayer, our Father in Heaven, or our Father who art in Heaven, as we like to say. But before getting into that, I do want to point out something important about the Lord's Prayer. Jesus was not saying that these words were the only words that we are allowed to speak when praying. The church dubbed this as the Lord's Prayer, when a more appropriate title might have been the Lord's Model Prayer. Why do I say that? Well, because throughout Scripture, you see prayers of all, you see prayers all over the place. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples was intended to teach them how to pray, not what to pray. And when you pray, your prayer should follow the structure of the Lord's Prayer. For instance, a couple of mnemonic devices that have been created to help us to understand exactly what the structure of the Lord's Prayer is, I can think of two right off of my head. One of them is acts. A is for acclamation. This is the praise we are to lift up to God. C is for confession, of course, referring to confessing our sins. T is for thanksgiving, to thank God for all the ways that he has blessed us and provided for us. And S is for supplication, which is in reference to our needs that we lift up to God. Another device is the word pray. P is for praise. R is for repent. A is for ask. And this is where we would lift up our request before God. And Y is for yield, meaning to submit to God's will. I'm hoping this was helpful to everybody. And if you need those devices again, uh, just put a comment and I'll, I'll make sure to respond back with the mnemonic devices. So now that we've established that, let's go into today's topic, our Father in Heaven. The world is in a spiritually desolate place in the 21st century. We prefer honoring God in ignorance, opposed to truly knowing Him and honoring Him for who He has revealed Himself to be. We justify it by saying that God likes simplicity in our worship. Well, that's not totally untrue, but God does not like ignorant worship. Jesus informs a Samaritan woman in John 4, 22-23, that you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We, the Jews, worship what we do know. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. Jesus provided two components for true worship in this statement. Truth and spirit. We must keep this in mind when we worship. And if the manner in which we pray was not important to God, he would not have given us some sort of structure to follow. So why does Jesus start with our Father in heaven? Let's start with the easiest part of that question. Why did he say in heaven? The answer well, that's God's dwelling place. Simple enough, right? Now, why did he say our Father? That has quite a bit of depth to it. And the first thing we need to acknowledge is that the prayer is addressed to God the Father. This is an affirmation of the Trinity. We know that the Trinity comprises of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we aren't stopping there. Jesus started off his model prayer by praying to the Father. 
He didn't tell us Lord Jesus or Holy Spirit. No, he said our Father. Why? Because this follows the Trinitarian nature of God. Each person of the Trinity has his place in our prayer life. We pray to, as in we are directing our prayer to, God the Father. He is the recipient. We are praying through Jesus. He is our intercessor. He lifts up our prayers to the Father. We don't pray to him. We pray through him. And we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives within believers and enables us to have a relationship with the Father and the Son through prayer. Got that? So, to the Father, through Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Next, God has a proper identity. He is Father God. Not mother, not brother, not sister, or cousin. He is Father God. In the Greek New Testament, the word for father is pater. However, I'm guessing Jesus probably spoke these words in Aramaic or Hebrew, which is the word Abba. In Romans 8.15, the Apostle Paul actually used this word in its original form for writing to the Roman church. He wrote, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, this is an incredible revelation. If you recall John 3.16, Jesus is God's only son, right? In the verse we just read, Romans 8.15, Paul said, The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Through the Holy Spirit, we have been adopted as children of God. This is incredible. Through the Holy Spirit, we are transformed into children of the Most High God. And the Most High God is our Father. And why is God our Father and not, say, our Mother? I think there is a very important reason for this. Throughout Scripture, God identifies himself as masculine. And when I say this, I'm not saying that the Spirit of God is a man per se. I'm saying that in the linguistic sense, he refers to himself in the masculine sense. The very first time that God is referenced in the Bible, it was in the plural masculine form, the word Elohim. Now, this is fascinating because it refers to God in both the sense that he is masculine, but also is a clue hinting towards the Trinity, Trinity that is God. You will also note that God the Son, Jesus, came into the world as a man. Once again, God was clearly communicating something about his own nature through this revelation. And his revelation has everything to do with his created order as well as his divine plan. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, and we might be able to gain some insight into what I'm referring to. Ephesians 5, 31-32 references Genesis and then goes on to reveal a mystery to us. It reads, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. I don't know if you notice this at all, 
But Jesus seemed to always give a special place in his ministry to women. And yet, as we read through scripture, we see certain restrictions put on women that are not put on men. Special honors given to men that we don't see given to women. What's this all about? Well, it's because Jesus saw women for who he created them to be. They are the living reflection of the church of God, the bride of Christ. So, when he would see women and had them take part in his ministry, and he saw them doing what his church should be doing, he melted. He thought, wow, this is my bride. This is the church. This is exactly what it is supposed to look like, and I love it. And Jesus was the Son of God. So he isn't the Father. He is the Son. For him, he has an inheritance that he is going to share with his bride. And where does that inheritance come from? It comes from the Father. In John twenty seventeen, he told Mary Magdalene, Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And when he appeared to his disciples, he told them in Matthew twenty eight eighteen, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We should refer to God as our Father because we are the bride of Christ, adopted by God as his children and betrothed to Jesus Christ, his Son. This is why we should also take the traditional institution of marriage so seriously because God created it to glorify himself. It was not created for our own hedonistic pleasures. If we deny God's fatherhood over us, we would be denying important truths that have been made known to us through the Holy Spirit. We are the adopted children of God. Jesus is our divine husband. And our Father has given everything he has to the Son so that one day he might richly bless us with all the riches that come from his Father and our Father and God's heavenly kingdom. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. You can join us on Sundays at 1030, but don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.